listening to another sermon podcast presented by Chelsea Presbyterian Church. Located in Chelsea, Alabama, we value community, fellowship, and love for people from all walks of life. For more information, find us online at www.chelseaprez.org or check us out on Facebook. Let's turn to 1 John uh, chapter 3. We're in 11 through 24. If you don't have your Bibles, as always, for your convenience, we have it in the order of worship. We've been talking about this idea uh, of, of going through the letters of John. During Jesus' time on the earth, Jesus called John, the author, author of these letters, and his brother James, the sons of thunder. Apparently, they were both never the kind that would walk away from a fight. They were rough, uh, somewhat insensitive, confrontational, sometimes aggressive. Some of the guys in the room were like, what's wrong with that? Um, even to the point that in one instance, they told Jesus, pray to God against our enemies and rain fire down on them. See, they literally told Jesus, bring the fire. That's the kind of people that they are. Uh, thank you. This is why I love Carolyn. But John has another nickname in the Bible. He's called the beloved disciple. Or the disciple whom Jesus loved. And he actually gave himself that name. Now, at first it seems like John is bragging, but it's just the opposite here. See, John could not get over the fact that Jesus loved him for who he was, and in spite of who he was, that so much that it moved him in his soul from being a son of thunder to the beloved disciple, the loved one. What changed John? The unconditional and unwavering thing a love of God that we've been talking about, this pursuing love of Jesus that kept looking at John and all his, with all his problems and all the things that he did wrong as a disciple, and he continued to love him over and over again. See, when we talked about this the other week, this has really been our theme. When you grapple with the love of God, it changes you forever. You can't experience the love of God and not be changed. But it also most of all, changes the way you relate and view other people. And John's going to talk to us more about this today um, when we look through this. So let's look at our verses for the day. I'm actually going to read the first paragraph, and then we'll read the other ones as we go through. Look at verse 11. It says, For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was an evil one, and he murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Don't be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death into life because we love our brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If I take this passage today, may we be people that love and that people that avoid resentment and jealousy and all the things that eat in our hearts and expose our hearts. Lord, help us to learn to love today in Jesus' name. Amen. So when people move to a new city, a lot of times they'll check the crime rates uh, if they're relocating or they're trying to decide between several cities. And sometimes you'll see cities ranked 
you know, in terms of the cities have the worst crime rates. And, and a lot of times they'll divide them between two categories. You ever notice that? The crimes and then the, non, the, the, the non-violent crimes and the violent crimes. You've seen that before. Uh, like, for instance, you know, a car theft is not the same as murder. Why? Aren't they all crimes? Yes. Are they all the same? Of course not. Why? Because some are in relation to property, or property maybe, and some are directly against the person. Uh, you ever think about that? that? That somebody robbing our house, something outside of our house, versus somebody robbing us or mugging us personally? One is far more traumatizing than the other. Because one affects our possessions, yes, and we may be mad about it and feel just a little vulnerable about it, but the other one affects our person, and it's a strike against our dignity. And other, uh, you know, killing another person, for instance, is the worst. Murder, we understand, is the ultimate killing in cold blood. And this is going to be important to consider as we move into this passage of the day, or you're really not going to understand it. We're not really going to realize the weight of John's point here. So we're going to look at three points today. We're going to talk about the idea of resentment, from resentment to murder. We're going to talk about the idea from talk to action. And we're going to talk about the idea from condemnation to confidence. Uh, we just read this section where he was talking about Cain here. I'm not going to reread it. Um, but here John is referring to the ancient story in the Bible that, that most of us know. Maybe you haven't looked at it in a while. Uh, it's the first sons of Adam and Eve. Cain was a simple man. He was a gardener. His brother Abel was a shepherd. And at the time, after his parents had disobeyed Adam and Eve, God told them that their disobedience required a blood sacrifice. The point of the blood sacrifice was, first of all, to remind them of the price of disobedience, which is death. The second thing was to remind them that as long as they did what God said, he would protect them in that. So Cain decides to do it his way. He says, I know what God said, but I'm just going to offer something from my garden to God instead. Probably because it was easier and more convenient. Cain had heard what God said, but said, you know what? I want to do what's convenient for me. It's a lot easier this way. Surely God's not all wrapped up in the animal thing. Abel obeys God, kills and sacrifices the best animal in his flock. At that point, God has favor on Abel, and rightly so. I mean, think about it. It's not that God wanted animals to die. That wasn't even the point. The idea was, over time, he was going to show his people that all of these sacrifices pointed to a sacrifice that they couldn't make, that only he could make, referring to the sacrifice of Jesus thousands of years later. God was trying to show them something, deep something, and Cain refused to see it because he just wanted to do it his way. So what happened? God found favor with Abel, and Cain got jealous, and he got resentful, and he got angry. But that wasn't the end of the story. God confronted Cain about this. And this is the part a lot of people don't think about. They think Cain got mad and he went out. You know, there's another part of the story. God actually comes to Cain and this is what he says. He's like, Cain, why are you so angry? By the way, this is a lot of conversations I have with God all the time. He's always like, James, why are you so angry? I got a list of things that make me angry. Kind of like Bruce Banner. Like, I'm always angry. That's my secret. Uh, but the, uh, 
But it's kind of one of those things where God said to Cain, I made it simple and clear. If you do it my way, you're going to find peace and you're going to find joy. But I'm worried about you, Cain. You keep letting this fester inside of you. You're starting to resent your own brother, Abel. You're jealous and it's consuming you. And God says, let it go, Cain. You're walking down a dangerous path. But Cain can't let it go. He tells his brother to take a walk with him out in the field. And he can't stop himself. Rage takes over and he kills his own brother. Now that's a powerful story and it's very tragic. It's at the very beginning of the Bible too. But see, John knows that and this is why he brings it up. He, he brings it, first of all, to remind us that we all have dark hearts. And we are capable of the exact same thing. Now, understand this. Most of us will never kill anyone. I say most of us. I'm going to go with the stats here. Most of us will never kill anyone. Uh, but we have dark hearts and we're capable of the same things. But that's not John's point. Here's John's point. That we are capable of murder. We are capable of it. If you think you're not, you don't understand the depth of your dark heart. You people, when you look at what you hear people sitting in, in the jailhouse sometimes, like, I can't believe I took it that far. I can't believe that it, it just, it seemed like it wasn't overnight. It was just more and more and more just built up. Like, it's amazing how many times you hear that story. But again, John's point is that we're not only capable of killing, but, but we murder people in small ways with our thoughts and our words all the time. That's what he said. He says, he who hates his brother commits murder. Does he do it out of action? No, but he does it in his heart. Think about the crimes that we talked about earlier. And they were all about, when we talked about the violent crimes of mugging and murder and all those things that affect the dignity of the people around us. And again, murder being the worst. But there's smaller daggers that really John is getting at here. Think about it scenario in a different way. Instead of loving others like John's talking about, we get jealous and resentful of what they have or what we don't have or what they do or don't do in relation to us. Our spouses or our family members, we, we lash out against them because we're offended by what they say or something hurts our feelings uh, when they're trying to correct us in ways that they really love us. Siblings cut each other down because they want a certain toy uh, and they tattle. They throw each other under the bus when they think that the other sibling is getting more attention than the others. Employees point out faults in another employee because they think they're in competition with them and they may be looked over to, uh, for a promotion. Maybe you have somebody in your life that's not pulling their weight or contributing so you gossip about them. Or maybe you're just jealous of someone in your life and you try to find things wrong with them, whether you say it to other people or not, and just poke holes in them and critique them in your mind. See, in our hearts, we're all murderers. We're butchers. Just cutting at people, sometimes to their face, but most of the time behind their back. Only to try to look better than them and get back at them. Let's be real and honest about this. This is what John's talking about. If you feel like you never do that, or you don't think you're doing that, you're probably the worst offender in the church today. I'm just letting you know. John says, if you're hateful and resentful, it's a dangerous path. So what do we do about it? I mean, you can talk and talk about, you know, not doing it, but how do we act? Let's look at the passage we have next, from talk to action. Um, verse 16, excuse me. 
Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us. Talk about Jesus. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone in the, has the world's goods and they see a brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or in talk, but in deed and in truth. We talk about love. How do we know love? Well, we, we, we have to have people in our lives to model it, whether it's a, our, our moms and dads or grandparents, best friends. They all give us pieces to model about that. But John, John says we got a better model than that. we got Jesus as the perfect example to the point. What did the perfect example do? He laid down his life to the death, even for folks like us that really didn't or don't love him in the same way or can't love him the same way that, that he loved us. That's the model. But God's not necessarily asking you to give up your life physically. But there's another way to give up, give up your life or lay down your life that John's really talking about here. Because what does he say in verse 17? If you're willing to give up your possessions. This doesn't mean like bankrupt yourself and give it all to the poor. That's not what we're talking about here. Because think about it. What are your possessions? Time? Money? Advice? Stuff that people need to borrow or maybe need permanently from you that you have. And that's hard. That's why John added verse 18 where he said you can say you love people, but are, what are you willing to give? How far are you willing to give? Are you just going to give out of necessity or begin to move in your life to giving generously and even maybe sacrificially? Are you willing, what you're willing to give is an indicator of your love for people. You ever notice that? If you say you love people in your words, but you're stingy with your resources, you are only fooling yourself. And that's what John's talking about here. Now, if you have heard me clearly at this point today, and really have thought this through as we've talked it through, then you are like me, and you're thinking, God, are you really asking me to do these things? God, this is impossible for me to refrain from all these things that you say and love people the way that you want me to. And that's where we should all be right now. Because look at our last point, from condemnation to confidence. Verse 19 says, By this that we know that we are of the truth, and reassure our hearts before Him. For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask for Him, we can keep His commandments and do what He pleases. And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and the love for one another as He had commanded it. Verse 24, whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this, we know that He abides in us by the Spirit who has given us. See, it's a funny thing. When you become a believer in Jesus, you think, man, like I'm going to start feeling better and better about myself. Uh, things are going to come more and more naturally easier and more perfect. It's not just um, all, it's all going to be rosy. Matter of fact, it's the opposite. See, when you, especially in the beginning, when you really understand what we're talking about here, you're going to become more and more. We are going to become more and more of our wrongdoings and our shortcomings. And then, like John says, our heart is going to condemn us. We experience shame and guilt and all the things we're aware of that we do wrong. And as we discussed earlier, 
When you think about John as a son of thunder, you realize we're sons of thunder. I'm a son of thunder. My first reaction is wanting to fire rain, rain fire down from heaven on everybody that's done me wrong and my family wrong. That's my first reaction. I'm a son of thunder, and we all have that in our hearts, whether we push it down or we harbor hostility or we just act on it. See, that's who we are, and John knows that we are that way. And we do that to everybody we resent that makes our causes us problems and makes our lives uncomfortable. So how do we move from receiving and giving the love of God as a beloved child and not a son of thunder anymore? Well, here's what the pastor is saying in this session. First of all, don't trust your emotions and your heart. If I see something else on Facebook that says, follow your heart, I think I'm going to puke. And here's the reason why. I mean, I was thinking about this week. Country music is one of the worst offenders about this sometimes. Like, follow your heart. Uh, people are, you know, I think people are good. You know, this hopeful optimism. And then they got all these songs about people when they follow their heart that did them wrong. That they cheat on, that they, you know, they're cheating on, how drunk, you know, how big of a drunk they are, you know, all that. You're like, okay, they follow their heart. Look at the consequences, you know. So, but the love of God not only changes us for better from death to life, and we talk about that, but it also protects us from hating ourselves. What is called self-loathing. There's people in this room, including me at times, that deal with this hypercritical nature about themselves. See. We're not just messed up in a way that keeps us from loving others. We're messed up in a way that keeps us from loving ourselves. I'm not saying trust our heart. I'm saying trust God in the way that He loves us so that we would understand that. See, we're not just messed up uh, in, in, in that way, but we can't love ourselves. Some of us are harder on ourselves than others in this room, but some of us are harder on ourselves than God Himself is. Meaning, we live in fear of our actions. We live in a constant state of guilt and shame in regard to what we've done and what we haven't done. Or we're in a constant state of self-criticism all the time. The passage says, God is greater than our worried hearts. And He knows it's better than we do. He knows it's better than we do. Rest in the love and that confidence that God loves you in spite of who you are. He knows you better than you. And it's greater than our hearts. Second, rest in God's love and what you, things you know to be true, not your heart. God's design from the world. Look what John says. He says, whatever you ask from God, you can receive from Him. How can John say that? You're like, man, I've asked for things from God all the time and never got them. What happened? Look at the verses around it, though. He says, when you spend time with God, here's the key. He teaches you what is good for you, really good for you. And you learn what is good for you instead of trusting your heart. And so you ask for the right things. And then, of course, God's going to give them to you. Last point. You can only share God's love if you abide in God's love. God not only told us how to love, but He showed us how to love. More than that, He sent His Son into the world to live and die on our behalf. And it's not just a perfect model of love. That's part of it. It's far more than that. It granted us the power to love in the same way that Christ did. We can only truly love by abiding in Jesus and His work, spending time with the Father, and then out of an overflow of our friendship with the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, only then can we as an overflow of that truly love people like John's talking about today. Let's pray.
finally got to uh, help us. We we are sons of thunder. We're murderers. Every chance we get, in our mind or out loud, we just strike at people. Whether it's just that we feel like we've been unjustly dealt with, or sometimes there's people that are just loving us and correcting us. Um, or we don't like those things, and we lash out, and we fester harbor and hostility. We harbor hostility, we, we fester resentment in our mind, and it makes us become people that we just don't want to become. Lord, God, help us with that. Send your spirit to transform our hearts, knowing that guilt and shame is not going to motivate us, knowing that working harder is not going to help us, but only trusting and abiding in the unconditional, all pursuing love of God. We thank you for that. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. today's sermon. We want to remind our listeners that our doors are always open at Chelsea Presbyterian Church, and we invite all our listeners to join us for worship. You can visit us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at Chelsea Middle School. To hear more of our sermons from our church or for more information, you can find us online at www.chelseapres.org or check us out on Facebook.